everybody. Welcome to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your host, Ashley Van Houten. Thank you so much for being here with me. You are going to learn a lot in today's podcast. This one is good for anybody who is looking to optimize their training, any coaches, people especially who work with women. I'm going to get into that a little bit more in a minute. Um, But first, before we go any further, I want to read a review of the podcast by somebody who is very awesome. And so I wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, This is from Snow Globe Tracker. And they say, I listened to Ashley giving an interview on another podcast and knew immediately that she was my kind of people. I subscribed that day and caught up on her podcast. What I love is her transparency and candor about the health and wellness environment. She's not pushing any agenda, except for maybe organ meats. I just added that editor's note. She simply wants to get us the best information. Her humor and kindness and her guests who are super supportive, super informative, I'm sorry, and enjoyable. Ashley truly feels like you're listening to one of your girlfriends or gym buddies giving you a pep talk, which is exactly what I have needed this year. I love that so much. Thank you so much for that. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. So I'm really glad that that's resonating with you. That's what I want to do. I don't want to be dogmatic. I want to be honest. I want to be transparent. I want people to know that we don't all have it figured out. Nobody has it figured out. And the purpose is the journey. It's the learning and trying things and uh, figuring things out and trying to be just a better, healthier version of you every day. So thank you so much for writing that review. It means a lot to me. I would love to send you a copy of my book if you'd like it. Or uh, my other giveaway is a free copy of my pull-up program PDF. And that's another thing I wanted to tell you guys before we dive into today's podcast. Anybody who follows me on social media knows that I recently launched a back strength, functional upper body strength pull-up program. Super specific maybe, but I know that it's a goal that a lot of people have. I know that it is a very technical, tough movement that not a lot of people can do or do properly. And pull-ups are kind of my thing. So I spent a couple years putting together a program and I finally launched it a few months ago. And it is currently a web-based program um, that you kind of log into and you get your workouts, you get notifications from me, you get the whole video library of all of the movements, the accessory movements and exercises, how to perform the movements properly, all that good stuff. Um, And you get access to me in the online portal so you can ask me questions and troubleshoot some things with me. Um, But I did hear that folks wanted possibly um, a little bit more cost-effective and basic version of the program. So they just wanted a PDF. They don't necessarily want to have to log in. They don't necessarily need to talk to me. They just want the program so that they can go to the gym, hit the ground running, and start crushing some pull-ups. So I listened to that and I made a PDF. So the online version of the program is $49.99. Still a very good deal, I think. Uh, But the PDF version is only $34.99. And um, it's simple. It has everything you need. It has the workouts. It has the benchmarks. It has the video library. You just um, don't get any reminders and personal one-on-one chats with me. So um, if you are interested in that program, send me an email. Message me on Instagram, at the Muscle Maven. All of my information is in my show notes. And uh, pick yourself up the jacked back pull-up program because it's awesome. And I love seeing people getting pull-ups. But back to this awesome reviewer. You want a book? You want the pull-up program? Whatever you want, send me an email. Let me know that it was you who left the review. And uh, I'll get you your treat because you deserve it. Okay, on to today's guest. Her name is Kayla Mulvogue. She is a physiotherapist. Um, She is a professional, awesome worker outer and smart person. And she, if you follow her on social media, she does a really good job of showing you optimized movements and workouts in the gym. And maybe one of the things I like following her for is like the, instead of doing this exercise, do this exercise, um, which I really like um, because she has the kind of physiotherapy, physiology understanding behind it to show here's why this movement may be more effective. It may be hitting the muscle you're actually trying to hit, all that stuff. But she also just launched a course um, called Applied Women's Physiology and Training, and it's a really comprehensive course all about 
women's physiology and how to apply that to your training, women's health. Um, she covers things like the difference in our skeletal structure, the difference in our hormonal makeup and how that may affect training. Um, she talks about women coming back to training uh, postpartum after having a baby and pelvic health um, issues possibly that people have. Um, I really like it because it's, well, I'm taking the course. So when this podcast goes live, I will have finished it. Um, and it's been really, really cool for me because I love to learn. I love to learn from smart people. And it's great because she really dives into the science, but she does it in these live calls one-on-one um, so that you can actually answer or sorry, ask questions. She can answer them. Um, and you can really kind of dive into it. So it's not just necessarily you following a bunch of technical information on your own. She makes it really accessible. Um, it's been really, really cool. And I like to, again, the sort of context and understanding behind it. We aren't so different from men, but we are different from men. And I think that it's important to understand those differences instead of either pretending that they're not there or treating us like completely different species, right? Um, it's just important to know what your unique physiology is, what your challenges are, what your advantages are, um, and how to work with them. So I loved her course. I highly recommend it. Anybody who's listening, like I said, maybe you coach women, maybe you're just trying to get better and, and healthier and, and level up in the gym yourself. It's a really, really good program. Um, so in this podcast, we talk about that. We talk about her her program. We talk about her background a little bit. We talk about some sort of common mistakes or issues that women have with training. One part that I really love is we get into some overrated exercises and what might be better, which I love because there's a lot of overrated exercises out there just because they either look sexy or stroke your ego. And maybe they're not all that effective. So that's cool. Um, we talk about pelvic health. We talk about all that good stuff. And she has an awesome Australian accent. So all around, super fun time. Okay. I feel like I've talked enough. Thanks for sticking with me. Here is my podcast interview with the awesome Kayla Mulvogue. All right, Kayla, we're recording. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. How are you surviving your first January in Ontario? Oh, I mean, like... <laughs> you're getting through it yeah 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 we're getting through it I mean like it's been tough of course like especially I think more so because of like the pandemic and everything being locking down like gyms being locked down because you know exercise is super important for mental health but you know just been going for like three walks a day rugging up um yeah you know, going down to the going down to the water sort of reminds me of home a little bit. So yeah, doing okay, keeping busy, keeping busy with work. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, Ontario especially is a rough place. Like you said, we're in just different parts of the province, which is bigger than a lot of countries. So it's not like we're right next door to each other, but um, it's a it's a tough place because it's a big city. Toronto is a big city with tons to do when you can do things, and so it's like it's extra tough yeah. when you're just kind of sitting in your house and there's so many things you could be doing, but. Um, I've learned from living in a cold place for a while. You know, I grew up in Canada, but I still am not like a cold person in my veins. Like my mother's from an island. Yeah. Like I prefer to be hot and sweaty all the time. But one of the things that I really like just, ha I had to switch my perspective when I moved to Ontario, which is like a different level of cold where it's like, you can't, you can't look at every winter, like let's just get through it or else literally half of your life, you're gonna be miserable. So you have yeah. to like accept it and find ways to ha have fun. Like I was going snowshoeing the other day, you get into skiing, like, like some yeah. of these like long walks or like hikes and stuff in the winter can be absolutely beautiful. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's all about perspective. Cause again, my brother, I have a brother who lives in Florida and he doesn't like the beach and he doesn't like being yeah. hot and I'm like, <laughs> Come on, dude. Like I would switch places. I mean, maybe not switch places exactly, but I would like to be on the beach if I could. So yeah, yeah. it's all about perspective anyway. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I'm from Australia, so like we're surrounded by beach and sun and water. So I just sort of think, you know, like I can always go home if I wanted to and like home's always going to be there. So, yeah. you know, I've spent probably my last five or more Australian summers in 
on the other side of the world in like cold places. Like I spent a season, a ski season working in Japan a few years ago um, as a physio on the ski slopes. Like I absolutely love snowboarding. I've been to Canada. This is my third or fourth time even in Canada during the winter. So like, I do like, like this, this would be my first full one, but um, I do tend to like love the winter sports and the, the snow sports, even though I do love the sun and the beach, but I never go surfing. Only, I only like snowboarding. Really? So yeah, okay. yeah, it's, it's weird. I tried surfing for the first time like a year ago, but of course, I think a lot of it depends just like skiing or snowboarding. It depends on where you go and where you learn, because where I was, it was like this very secluded, like super chill place in Costa Rica. That was like, there weren't a ton of people. There wasn't any like coral reefs. The waves were just big enough that you could like learn, but they weren't so big that it was terrifying. It was like a really good. And I always tell people like I learned to ski downhill ski when I was like three years old. Canadian. And I'm like, I appreciated learning at that age so much before you understand how crazy it is what you're doing. Like you're going up to the top of a mountain and just sliding down it and hoping for the best. So I feel like a lot of it is sort of like the, the setting and maybe the people that are around you and stuff. But if you haven't been, or if, you know, whenever you can, um, I highly recommend you, uh, go to Mont Tremblant in Quebec and I will meet you there because it's very it's pretty close to where I am. And it's a beautiful hill and yeah. we can go snowboarding and skiing. And then you can like fix whatever ends up being wrong with me after a day of <laughs> snowboarding and skiing. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think I may, may have visited that on one of my trips here. We yeah. did spend a Christmas. Yeah. In Montreal. So yeah, yeah okay. I mean, I, fe- I think, I think surfing so I mean getting up on the board is not hard but like paddling out is the hardest thing like when you go snowboarding you you sit on a chair and it takes mm-hmm. you to the top you don't have to hike up the top well you can choose to hike up the top but surfing is is really hard yeah and there's like all the etiquette I mean there's etiquette with all sports but like you go to a place that's busy and there's people who are like better than you and you have to dis- hope you don't run into somebody else mid-wave and it's very <laughs> there's a lot of it can be intimidating yeah 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 um all right we're getting off track already but that's fine um before <laughs> we before we kind of get into too many um, like of my questions or the questions that I sourced online when I kind of put put this out that I was going to be talking to you, um, I really appreciate the work that you do and the free information that you put out on social media. It's awesome. I've been following you for a while and I'm so glad that we kind of were finally able to do this because I think that um, you're going to be a really, really helpful resource to my listeners. But before we kind of dive into stuff that you, you know, specialize in and you're going to help us with today. Can you just kind of give people like a bit of background on like who you are and what you do and how you got into it? Yeah, for sure. So I'm a physiotherapist from Australia. I originally started out doing exercise and sports science as my undergraduate degree. And as I was going through that, I was working as a personal trainer and a coach uh, to sort of, you know, get myself through uni, which kind of you know, the two, I guess, went hand in hand. Um, and like going through that that exercise and sports science degree, I was able to do my personal training certificate sort of a little bit more fast tracked because some of the subjects sort of overlapped. Um, so that was really handy for me. And then, you know, really handy as well, studying physio, learning all about the body, all about anatomy, biomechanics, uh, all that sort of stuff. Um, I didn't, I don't really, I mean, I've, I've played tons of sports growing up so I guess that was always sort of the direction that I knew I was going but I didn't always know that I wanted to be a physiotherapist Um, and so once I finished university I went to clinical practice and I did two years clinical practice um, you know working a lot of hands-on but also the re the exercise rehab side of things as well and you know I found it really quite you know working as a physio and being hands-on and you know people coming to you in pain like seeing sort of like 20 patients a day or something like that is just it's quite draining on you like physically and um mentally emotionally so um I sort of really missed the side of um like the coaching side of things where it was sort of you know, more performance-based rather than rehab-based. And I sort of noticed there was kind of like a a bit of a gap between rehab and performance. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, where I started to work was sort of in that gap and working, you know, 
you know, from rehab to performance or as well as like including rehab in your performance training um, because, you know, there are a lot of, um, like there, there are a lot of great coaches out there, but there are a lot that don't really know too much about what they're doing and they can hurt their clients if they're not um, programming for them or uh, monitoring their exercise execution technique effectively. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's where I sort of went after those two years. I um I spent time working in a in a studio gym, but also had my own treatment clinic, so I could take them into the room if they needed some hands on work, but also take them out into the gym and show them exercises and and where and look at the way they squat or deadlift or whatever it was um, that they were having trouble with and and be able to cue cue them appropriately and and work through. Um, you know, progressively overloading them and getting them back into their performance things. Um, and then from there, I um, went on to do more of the educational side of things. So spent more time, um, did a little bit of travel, worked out of a few gyms, um, you know, teaching personal trainers, you know, a little bit more about anatomy biomechanics and how um, to train effectively and how they can, you know, cause I think coaches have the biggest impact to help people. You know, if people get hurt, yes, they're going to come to a physio, but they can avoid that in the first place and save themselves a lot of money by training, you know, effectively or training um, intelligently. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. Now I'm um, really online based. I teach more on the side of women's uh, physiology and training. Um, I teach an online course and, you know, I have a couple of online clients uh, that I work with and um, some girls that I mentor as well. Very cool. Is there an element to, is it correct to say that you have also kind of moved more towards, I don't know if this is even a word, but like prehab, like working with people before they're hurt. That's kind of what you're saying too, right? Like it's one thing to like deal with people who are injured and messed up and try to get them back. But what about people who maybe aren't super messed up, but like when you see their movement patterns or you see their training, you're like, all right, we're one step away from a disaster here. So let's fix things before they happen. Yeah, you can definitely pick up things, you know, when you look at people or when you assess their range of motion or you assess um, the stability or their strength or their technique, things like that. You can definitely see where and pick up where something might go wrong if something is going to go wrong. Yeah. So, yeah, there's not like injury prevention isn't necessarily a thing, but there's definitely, um, you know, minimizing your risk of injury you know yeah. you can sort of you can sort of see you know where things might go wrong and how you can correct them so that they don't yeah and I mean a lot of that again goes back to movement patterns because if you're watching somebody squat and it's a nightmare you are preventing an injury if you can help them squat in a more <laughs> efficient way right yeah exactly yeah so talk to me a little bit about and I want you to to get into the course that you're doing too because I'm gonna go through it soon and I'm really excited but um the difference, like why you decided to, again, focus more on women um, with our unique physiology and kind of talk about some of the key components of like why it's different, because there does seem to be a lot of conversation in like the training world about it's like either we're two different creatures, like men are from Mars, women are from Venus, completely different, have to train completely differently. Or there's kind of this dismissive, like, Muscles, muscle, strength is strength. It's all the same, just whatever. And I know as with everything, we fall somewhere in the middle, right? It's never one or the other. It's never black and white. It's always somewhere in the middle. But if you could yeah. kind of get into that a little bit so, so we can kind of understand maybe what some of those main differences or considerations are. Yeah. Yeah. So something I always talk about in the course is like, these are considerations for training. Like, Individuals are individuals. Every woman is going to be different to the next woman, but you know, there are there are certain like we're all human beings, but there are certain differences in terms of our physiology. The biggest one obviously being that women have a uh, a different structure to men, have a different genetic makeup to men. We also have a different physiology in terms of our hormones. So, you know, men being predominantly uh, testosterone dominant and then women having low levels of testosterone and higher levels of estrogen progesterone both of like humans males and females have 
all the hormones, just in different differing levels. So that's the biggest thing. And and the biggest thing, the reason for that is because we need to reproduce. Like we need to um, go through the process of gestation, reproduction, and we do all the work. Birth. Is what you're saying? Yeah, <laughs> we have to do the hard stuff. <laughs> Men just kind of hang out and squat. They just, I get it. They, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they do their thing and then it's like, they're sweet for the next nine months. There but, you um, go. <laughs> yeah. So we won't get too much into that. I don't That's know, a whole just, other podcast. We can, hey, yeah. No, no, not at all. This is, hey, this no. is my podcast. We can go as weird and dirty as we want to, but I think we all know basically. We know who, how it works. Yeah. Who the tougher yeah. uh, sex is. But anyway, continue. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, um, you know, our our genetic makeup is different. So if I start with structure, if I start with the way we're structured is, you know, we tend to have these wider hips because we obviously need to hold a baby. We need to have space to grow a baby inside our hips. So women tend to have wider hips um, and a smaller rib cage because we need more room in that abdominal cavity. So, you know, the, the wider hips, what they do is um, it means that we have this increased angle that the the thigh bones come out from our hips and go in towards our knees so this this is a consideration this is one of the big considerations that uh, we need to make in our training and exercise execution in terms of knee pain Um, women are more susceptible to knee pain and knee injuries because of the angle that our knees come in and because the way, you know, the structure and the ligaments and all that are made up. So, you know, ACL injuries are really common in, in women who play sports and things like that. And, um, you know, a lot of knee instability issues and things like that as well. So, you know, that's one, that's one consideration for the lower body. And then we, you know, we look at exercises, for example, like squats and lunges and things like that and, and how we can effectively, Uh, cue women in exercises like this to make sure that they're not putting themselves at a risk of injury Mm -hmm. Um, in the upper body you know because of these wider this wider hip structure we need to have what's called an increased carrying angle so like it's the angle that our elbow sort of leaves our forearm and that's so when we walk you know we do have um our shoulders are not as broad because we have this smaller rib cage. Our shoulders aren't as broad and therefore we need this bigger angle um, at our elbows so that we don't hip our hips, hit our hips yeah. when we're walking, hip our hips um, when we're walking. So this is, you know, a consideration that we need to make when we look at upper body exercises and, you know, where our shoulder is placed and where our elbow is placed and cueing for things like that as well. Um, Women tend to have increased mobility, less muscle mass overall than men on our upper bodies, more lower body dominant, you know, that body fat patterning. And this is because of, um, you know, the way that our hormones are, Um, you know, we have this monthly cycle of, you know, increasing and decreasing and crisscrossing estrogen progesterone over the cycle so um you know it's it's been found in research that estrogen is actually um it helps with it's it's called anti-catabolic so it helps with um you know decreasing the breakdown of muscle as we exercise so we know that you know when we program for women we can handle higher intensities at higher loads with lower lower rest periods sorry so we have increased recovery in terms of that um you know so looking at the way that programming is set up um compared to men Oh, there's so many. There's, you know, we have like different muscle fiber types, which makes us better suited to more endurance type activities rather than strength or power. But we definitely, you know, you're not going to go if you don't enjoy running, you're not going to go and do that. So, you know, it's just a consideration like, Mm -hmm. you know, in our strength training, you know, we can we can lift those heavier loads for more reps, like have a better endurance in terms of that. Um, Yeah, just, uh, you know. <laughs> there's there's so many things i mean you know all considerations because every like i said before like every woman is different some women experience really bad symptoms around their cycle some not so much so it's like you know for those that maybe do need a bit of a deload week for one uh week of the 
one week of the month of the training cycle, then that's fine, but others can sort of push through. Um, so, yeah, it's all just, you know, considerations that we can make. Not necessarily, you know, there are no completely different exercises or completely different ways to train women and men. It's all just sort of considerations that we can make to make, you know, training more effective and be able to adhere better to our programs, not get frustrated if say we're not making the progress Mm -hmm. that we're sort of looking for. I like that because you're basically speaking to, like you said earlier, intelligent training, but also nuance, which is probably the least sexy term in the like fitness and wellness world. But it's also, I think, one of the most accurate and authentic uh, terms in that nothing, no one prescription is going to work for everybody and no one declaration is going to be correct for any massive group of people. So just this concept that like what we're, what you just finished talking about isn't necessarily going to apply a hundred percent to every woman every time, but these are similar to the way we talk about nutrition and we talk about things like fasting or carb cycling or whatever. That isn't a prescription. It's a tool. It's a consideration, right? It's something you can use, maybe try things out. I like that. Um, I didn't really think it's funny because I I knew the, the concept of obviously sort of we've got different hips and that's going to affect sort of lower body training, but I never really considered the, the idea that we've got this sort of like smaller upper body and smaller shoulders and the way the angles work and how that would, would change potentially the way we do upper body stuff. Cause obviously I'm more interested in upper body. Um, so can you, can you, cause one of the things I really like about your Instagram account, you post these, like, instead of maybe this movement, maybe try this one instead. And here's why, can you talk about, um, in your experience and maybe clients you've had or people you've worked with some of the more popular, um, exercises among women that may not be as effective for us as we think they are are there any that kind of come up yeah (laughs) yeah straight away yes um I think I think the barbell hip thrust is highly overrated um the barbell hip thrust okay it's you know there are situations where it is a good tool to use I like the glutes to build your glutes you do need you know, you need load and you need power. The glute max, we have three glutes, actually. The glute max is responsible for hip extension. So, um, you know, that's the biggest muscle in the body and the one we're sort of most targeting when we want to look at the shape of the glutes. The barbell hip thrust allows you to load a lot of weight. So it allows you to, um, you know, do a heavy hip thrust, a powerful movement. It is, though, a very small range of movement of the glutes. So it is, you know... If we think about the way that it's set up, you know, we're really only working the really shortened range of the glutes. Because once you sort of get to that very bottom part, there's, you know, your, you know, the weight isn't necessarily against gravity. And you've got yeah. this really heavy barbell on a really small bone and joint of, of your pelvis, which is not really meant to be weight bearing in that horizontal plane it's Mm -hmm. meant to be weight bearing when you're upright so like when you're um you know standing and walking and things like that so you're not really meant to have a heavy weight so that can you know put you at you know a greater risk of injury first of all um but uh yeah doing that hip thrust movement is just a very small range of the glutes and we have so many more exercises that we can choose that you know aren't necessarily loaded as heavy but if you want to if you want to build a muscle it's not necessarily load that's going to build them it's going to be tension and so we we can use different exercises with less load which are going to be safer um but put more tension along them for example like um you know if you do a step up you can see that there's a lot more you're getting a lot more hip extension through a step up your your knee steps up um your hip is almost 90 degrees and then Mm -hmm. you go through that full range of motion Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think the barbell hip thrust is you know a massive one that a lot of women like it's definitely something that you can add into your program every now and then. I wouldn't do it all the time, like give yourself a break a little bit, you know, some of the time because it does put a lot of sheer force, you know, through the small bones of the pelvis, yeah. through the the small joints of the lower back um, because that barbell is going straight down against gravity and your, your joints are aligned um, 
differently so like adjacent yeah. to that um so yeah it's, I think it, it's yeah. kind of like it's kind of like the the latest version of like I don't want to make anybody mad here but like the leg press machine right it's sort of like an ego exercise because you can if you have some strength you can like throw plates and plates and plates on that thing and it kind of yeah. makes you feel like a badass even if it isn't the most effective but like I've found yeah. and I, you know I'm speaking for myself too like we all go through these periods of growth and maturity and experience in our fitness journeys and everybody has a period where like they just want to lift the heaviest weights possible cool yeah. that's awesome that's badass but one thing that I've learned more recently really that has been extremely helpful for me especially in times when you can't go to the gym and you don't have a bunch of plates to work with or you don't have you know the ability to lift heavy weight is just what you said the fact that like muscle contraction and tension is actually going to be more effective than just how much weight you can throw around and that really i do think that that comes with some maturity because it's very hard for people yeah. who are and maybe you're working out with other people and maybe you're competing and maybe you're doing all these things where you you're really trying to like one up yourself or other people and you see what other people in the gym are doing but being able to being able to grow muscle and strength with less weight is actually mm. an impressive thing, I think. And, you know, I'll see people who are lifting way heavier weights than me, but like, maybe my muscles are a little bit bigger. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's not an exact yeah. science here. Like maybe it really is about connection and tension and all those things. So, um, but yeah, I think it's something almost people need to like learn on their own as they go, maybe sometimes. Yeah, no, definitely. Like you're right because like where once you start loading, it's like where do you have to go? If you can if you can put more tension along your muscles, not only is it less taxing on your nervous system, so you're able to do more work. Uh, you know, you have a longer runway of progression, like you have more room to move, and you know, with the with the the heavy heavy. Um, hip thrusts there's, there's one there's not been shown to be any correlation between squat and and deadlift strength with having a strong hip thrust and two like it's you're not really isolating the glutes in any way you know you with those sorts of weights you're going to be using your hamstrings and your quads and things like that to help as well so it's not truly isolating the glute max or the fibers of the glute max max which is kind of what you want Okay. Hey friends, bear with me for a quick second while I tell you about the company that made today's episode possible. It's going to be relevant to you. I promise. Uh, these are my friends over at Bioptimizers. They make gut health supporting products um, that are some of the highest quality, most effective that I certainly have ever tried, which is why I support them now and they support me really well. Um, they have a range of products, including their most popular, the ones that I'm using all the time, masszymes, uh, digestive enzymes, and their probiotic product. They also have a magnesium product that's really great. Um, they have another uh, gut health promoting collagen powder that's chocolate flavored that I take in the morning because of course it's chocolate flavored. It's awesome. But all of their products, they've probably got a, a dozen, are all about promoting gut health. And I started taking their stuff at the very beginning of the P word, the pandemic last year, because that was a while ago now. And uh, it was when I was stuck inside, stress was really high. My food was great. I mean, my lifestyle was as on point as it could be when you're stuck inside the house, but I was experiencing some gut health related issues, some weird symptoms that I'd never had before. And I started taking their products religiously and it made an incredible difference, like a significant difference. I almost couldn't believe how impressive it was. And I've been using it on and off ever since, mostly when I need to support my health around times of stress or travel, or if I'm kind of off my diet or my lifestyle in any way. Um, but these are products that you can be taking all the time and they have made a, a huge difference in my life. And so that's why I want to pass that information along to you guys. So you can head to bioptimizers.com or you can just click the link in the show notes and you can use the discount code, you guessed it, Muscle Maven for a discount. Work on that gut health. It is important. Thanks guys for listening. Back to the show. Um, is there another one that comes up? Cause this is fun for me is like sort of debunking, like workouts that we're all doing that actually we don't really need to be doing. Is there, is there another one you can talk to us about? Um, exercises. Is there like an mm. upper body one that people just kind of do that's sort of useless or like not that great? Mm. I can't 
think I've seen you one... do a couple really good, like, um, like lat pull down and even like maybe variations. Like, I don't know. I mean, and a lot of it again, isn't necessarily that the movement's bad. It's that people are using mostly momentum or they're just using, um, muscle groups that you're not actually trying to target and all of these things. Yeah. The thing with the lat pull down is, <clears throat> is, you know, the overhand grip lat pull down, which you see, uh, most commonly is, you know, it's not truly isolating the lats again like it's it's a back exercise it's a whole back exercise not saying it's bad it's just like if you want to truly target and isolate the lats uh you want to have your hands in an underhand position and you want to like really think about contracting and and um extending the shoulder as as the hand is um you know, in that underhand grip. Um, so it's just like, it's again, like a variation. Like sometimes you want to work full back strength. Like as soon as people, you know, squeeze their shoulder blades together on a lat pull down, that's losing the lats because the lats don't actually attach and do that movement of retraction of the shoulder blade. They do more extension of the shoulder um, in that sort of externally rotated shoulder position. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess another upper body exercise um, and, you know, it, it really depends what you're using the exercise for. Another one is like you don't see women doing it too much, but a bench press isn't a great chest exercise purely because, you know, the pecs are a, you know, they protract the shoulder, they adduct and they flex and internally rotate. Whereas like when you are doing a bench press, you want to keep your, um, your scapula retracted. And so you're not going through that Mm -hmm. full range of motion of the chest, you know, it's, it's more of a compound strength exercise again, um, for pure strength, um, but not necessarily a great for targeting the pecs, which, you know, you don't see women doing it a lot anyway because they don't necessarily want to grow their pecs, but, um, yeah, I'd like to see more women benching example. personally, not, not for pec. I mean, there's nothing wrong with pecs. I like having a little bit of chest muscle, but I would love to see yeah. more women doing, uh, benched for it. Like you said, because it's a compound upper body strength and power movement that we are so often. And I mean, look, I don't want anybody to do workouts that they don't want to do if they have no interest, but I think that there's yeah. still so much of this narrative of like, well, women don't really have a lot of upper body muscles. So like, just focus on your glutes. Like, just, you know, don't worry about it. Like who cares if you don't have any upper body Body strength. I'm like, eh, I think you can have yeah. upper body strength. You just need to put some work into it and it's fun and it's nice to have a balance yeah. and like do it all, yeah. you know? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you're definitely going to put on muscle mass if you train it. Like it's, right. it's, it, yeah, you will, like if you load up something heavy, but it's just, yeah, there are, there are, you know, I guess better exercises that you can use for, you know, shoulder health and shoulder function and things like that are definitely, which are crucial for, um, you know, I guess your upper body strength and, and upper body health, like health of your joints, for example, like your shoulder joints and, you know, your, you know, even your core, like you, you use a lot of core in your upper body work as well. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. So one of the things you mentioned earlier about physiology is how women are the ones who get to do the fun job of carrying and birthing children, which can have sometimes a dramatic impact on your pelvic floor, your core muscles, all of these things and and tendons and ligaments and all of these things that are stretching and accommodating to make way for all of this fun. Um, And Mm -hmm. I really wanted to talk about this a little bit because as somebody who, you know, maybe having a child in the future, but also I know a lot of listeners are women who are maybe pregnant, maybe have children, maybe are looking to have children. And there is a lot of this kind of narrative in the fitness world of like, you might just pee a little when you work out from now on, you might just have diastasis. You might just have kind of some stuff going on down there. You don't really like, but guess what? You gave birth to a miracle. So here you go. And I don't really love hearing that. Like I I'd kind of prefer to be told that there are things you can do to rehab these things and improve the function and not just sort of accept, um, lower performance of, of body functions for the rest of your life because you gave birth. I don't think that it has to be a sentence. Um, so I'd love for you to kind of talk about that. Like, do you actually work with clients in the sort of like pre postnatal experience too? Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, um, I guess the biggest thing is, you know, during pregnancy. So like, you know, making sure that you 
are creating a strong base, a strong body during pregnancy. Like research, you know, it used to be don't exercise or stop exercising when you're pregnant, like years and years and years ago. And then, and then there were these restrictions of like heart rate and time and, and, and temperature and things like that, which have completely changed now. It's like exercise during pregnancy is beneficial for most women who are in healthy pregnancies. Obviously, you know, you're going to be cleared by your doctor to exercise before, uh, you start exercising while pregnant, but you know, for most women and even some women who haven't been exercising before they get pregnant, starting an exercise routine is also beneficial for them to avoid complications like uh, gestational diabetes and things Mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they don't call it labor for nothing. Like labor is hard. It is laborious. So you need to be strong for that. You need to have like good endurance for that. So I think, um, you know, starting, you know, before you get pregnant and, you know, continuing exercise while you get pregnant is going to be a good thing. And, you know, it's also been shown to, you know, reduce the amount um, of diastasis you know, after pregnancy, the the ab separation that occurs in, you know, 30 to 100% of women are going to experience that that ab separation. So, you know, it's, it's going to be something that most women are going to experience. So, you know, exercising 30 minutes, um, you know, moderate intensity on most, if not all days of the week is what the current guidelines are. And, and that has been shown to, even just three days a week has been shown to, you know, decrease, um, that diastasis or help it sort of come back together post-pregnancy as well. Um, In terms of, you know, pelvic floor rehab, like there are definitely structural changes that happen during pregnancy that might not necessarily go back to normal. For example, the widening of the hips, um, the, the widening of the rib cage or the, the ribs might not come straight back down to what they used to, what they used to be, but, you know, these are structural changes, which we don't really have any control over, but we definitely have control over the functional stuff. So anything that's sort of soft tissue, like muscle, we have control over. So that, that coming back together of the ab separation is, is going to be something that you want to work on quite soon after you give birth. It's not something you want to leave. Cause if you do leave it too long, it might not necessarily come back together. Um, and in terms of pelvic floor, yeah, I think that's something that's, you know, this bladder leakage or things like that is commonly accepted um, as something that's going to happen, but it, it doesn't, it's not something that has to, like, it's not, it's not a normal thing. And there's definitely things because it is soft tissue, you can train the pelvic floor, you can um, strengthen the pelvic floor and, you know, help with coordination and things like that post-pregnancy to stop these things from occurring. And, you know, again, like the longer you leave it, the sooner, you know, there are definitely things because this, this like, um, postpartum period where it's kind of like zero to six weeks there's you know women are usually told there's not a lot you can really do just rest um but there are definitely you can start with your pelvic floor contractions you know if there's no pain there and you can start you know activating the pelvic floor because you know some of the nerves might get damaged that nerve um signal kind of has to come back or it takes time to come back but you can definitely train you know the nerves you know from your brain to the actual muscles to start um you know contracting those like sending the signals to contract the pelvic floor muscles again but you know making sure at that six week period, you're having your um, your checkup, your assessment, your obstetrician gynecologist, your doctor, your women's health pelvic floor physio is doing an internal examination to check that you are able to con- um, to check that you are able to contract the pelvic floor um, correctly um, mm-hmm. and not bearing down. So that's one thing that you know there's can sort of happen, like you might be bearing down, you might not be doing the correct contraction, you might be thinking you are, but it's not mm-hmm. doing the right thing. So that's something that can happen. So, you know, making sure that um, you're doing the c- correct contraction and it's it's definitely not a life sentence to, you know, have these things occur um, post-pregnancy. And I see a lot of the time, I see a lot of, you know, these 
generic pelvic floor programs that um, are sort of marketed to women. And it's like, you know, these exercises are, are good for like lower level, like starting out, um, you know, you're lying on the floor and sort of thinking about contracting the pelvic floor or you're doing some sort of glute bridge or something like that. But what women need is they need to progress that. They need to um, get back to doing the things that they love, right? So, you know, if they love running, for example, it's like they need to train the pelvic floor in a functional way that's going to relate to running or they need to train the pelvic floor in a function, functional way that's going to relate to lifting weights because, mm-hmm. you know, it's common. And you know, it's, not just, it's not just women who have given birth and gone through childbirth that might experience bladder leakage when lifting weights. It can be younger girls as well who are lifting really heavy weights. Um, So, you know, making sure that the coordination is there of the pelvic floor and making sure that we're progressively overloading it, you know, to these heavier weights and, you know, using the pelvic floor in a functional way, for example, like sneezing, coughing, jumping, for example, are some of the ways that we can train it in a functional way um, to get back to the activities, the daily activities that women love. Okay, good. This makes me feel better because I'm like, will I never be able to do double unders again? That's depressing. I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, but so you kind of alluded to, there are a lot of very like generic kind of, um, plans and, and information out there for women who are either pregnant or, you know, post, uh, pregnancy. Um, and I know that this, in an ideal world, you're going to have a pelvic um, PT, you're going to have somebody working directly with you so that, you know, they can address your specific kind of challenges. Um, but are there like across the board, any things we, as maybe someone who is pregnant should do or not do, because generally what I hear when I'm kind of doing this research is don't do crunches, do Kegels. And then of course I'm hearing like, eh, maybe don't, not everybody should be doing Kegels all the time. Maybe sometimes the issue is that you're actually already too tight and constricted and you need to learn how to release it. So is there Mm -hmm. any, you know, that you can just sort of safely with a caveat here that this is general high level advice, but any kind of advice there? Yeah. So, you know, those two things that you brought up are uh, really important. So, you know, a lot of people do focus purely on the contraction part of things and they forget about the relaxation. And that can also be something that, you know, might cause some sort of dysfunction with the pelvic floor. If you're continually contracting it and it's continually, continuously tightening the pelvic floor, you know, you can cause, you know, some issues there as well. So, that's what I was talking about kind of with this, um, this functional technique that I was talking about. It's called the name of it's called the knack. And basically what you do is you contract, you do the functional task, whether it's like uh, a lift, cough, sneeze, run, jump, whatever it is. And then you relax. So that's like the full, it's, it's basically a full repetition, right? Like when you're doing a bicep, you don't curl it up and leave it there. Mm-hmm. You curl it back down. So you've got to contract and then you've also got to do, you know, the relaxation part of it as well. So, you know, when you're doing your Kegels, contracting and then also relaxing. Um, as well, when you said, when you talked about, you know, don't do crunches and things like that, the, the research, so you know, previously it was don't do crunches, um, do your transverse abdominus activations, which is like your your sucking in activations where you like pull your belly button into your spine pretty much. And so the research showed, you know, I think, I'm not sure if you guys know, but there was, um, you know, quite a well-known fitness um I'm going to say influencer, like Michelle Bridges, she was like one of the first ones. She was on the, the Biggest Loser and things like that. She was, she got pregnant. She was doing crunches and she was given so much shit for it mm. uh, because, you know, they're like, you shouldn't do that when you're pregnant. Anyway, there was this research that came out that actually um, compared the transverse abdominus, like the sucking in versus a crunch on the diastasis recti. So like the, um, the abdominal, the abdominal separation. They measured it like when women were pregnant, they measured it, you know, um, six months postpartum. And then they measured it, I think, something like 12, 14 weeks postpartum as well. Um, And they found that actually drawing in, doing the TA activation actually increased the distance of the two muscles. So it actually pulled 
the abs apart even more and the crunch actually brought them back together. Yeah. And so, um, you know, then it was sort of said, okay, like do your crunches, don't do your TA. But <laughs> even further to that, I think it was only uh, – so research is coming out like all the time. Like same thing with like um, the, the, you know, the – guidelines for exercise during pregnancy that is constantly been evolving and you know we're still kind of stuck maybe like the most recent research I think came out uh 2015 so five or six years ago now um and still people think oh don't get your heart rate over 140 and don't increase your core body temperature more than 38 degrees so it takes a long time for the newest research to actually become common knowledge and a lot of GPs are very conservative still because that's when they went through their training they went through their training 20 years ago and they're not up to date with the latest research so with this um with this crunch versus TA research, the most recent research I think was 2018. Um, and what they did is they compared, cause it's not just about closing the gap between the two muscles, between the two rectus abdominis muscles or like your six pack muscles. We have this, um, this connective tissue in between the abs this is called the linear alba and basically it's really important for transferring forces from one side of the abs to the other and across the midline and so what they found is when you actually did a crunch and you brought together the the two muscles they found that this linear alba distorted quite a lot so it gave this appearance of either sagging or doming in the stomach and i think you know, with the rect, um, with the with the dram, I'm going to call it the diastasis recti. It's it's more so an issue of aesthetics for most yeah. women. It doesn't really have much of a connection with function. So there's not much like pain, like it's not related to back pain or anything like that. And so it's more a, a thing of looks for women. They don't like the look of it. So they found that, yeah, when you did your crunch, you brought it together, but then this linear alba started to distort. And they found that when you actually did a transverse abdominus activation and then crunched up, that put most of the tension along the linear alba. So it actually tensed the linear alba. There was no decrease in the gap, but there was no doming or sagging of it. And it it sort of was, I guess, a better... um, a better conclusion to come to in terms of training, you know, both the function and the aesthetics of the core and of the rectus abdominis when you're, um, you're doing your, you know, your ab abdominal separation rehab. Okay. So both can be good or bad depending on when and how you do it. (laughs) But also maybe the conclusion here is like, get a professional to help you because this is complicated. And it it is something that I think should be included in like basic pre postnatal care, right? Because it is, it will have a significant impact potentially on your just everyday functioning. And at the very least on how you feel about yourself and your ability to get back into the gym and feel good and do the things you want to do. Um, and like you said, it's one of those things that you don't really want to like leave and wait. And then like two, three years later, you're kind of still miserable and don't know what to do. It's like, these are things that we should be addressing relatively quickly. Um, can clients who are pregnant or just had a baby work with you on this stuff specifically? Uh, yeah. So I do, you know, I do require people to have their assessment like in person, like you definitely need an in-person assessment, but if they've been cleared for that, if there's no sort of, you know, anything that's a prolapse or, or anything that sort of requires that, that, attention like if they're they're fine you know they've had their pelvic floor checked they've had their abdominal separation checked um and you know the doctor is happy for them to start to exercise i definitely help people um you know get back into their their exercise routine safely um but you know if there is like i have had people reach out and we're like let's just jump on a call and talk about this you know for example if the ab separation is you know, really bad, like more than three fingers or something like that. Or if, you know, there is a 
a level three or four prolapse, meaning that it's sort of coming outside the body, then that's when uh, like definitely see someone in person is, is probably the best thing to do um, because yeah, you do need to have that hands on um, and, you know, like proper attention mm-hmm. like in person. Yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Tell us about your course. Okay, so the Applied Women's Physiology and Training eight-week online course uh, includes eight weeks of one-hour weekly live lectures. We also have uh, an interactive workshop each week where everyone – because the hour lecture is just like me basically just talking like I've done most of this podcast. We Um, love it. And so, yeah, so when we get into the – the interactive Q&A, that's when people can ask questions from the week or we discuss a case study or something like that. So basically we have um, – we focus on – it's basically an introdu- introductory course into everything women's phys- physiology and training. So week one goes through, you know, anatomy, physiology, biomechanics. We go through training and programming for women. We go through the menstrual cycle, nutrition and dieting, um, the pregnancy stuff, training during pregnancy, postpartum and pelvic floor rehab. We go through some common conditions that women experience, um, you know, things like PCOS, endometriosis, stress, mental health, um, eating disorders and things like that. And then also like training throughout the lifespan. So training, you know, if you train um, young adults or like young women, um, you know, things like the female athlete triad and REDS, um, syndrome are really common and then you know looking at things like training during breastfeeding and menopause and into older age as well and how exercise and training is just super important across all areas of the lifespan there's always something exciting for women to be contending with with their health right like isn't it just it's like dudes have like puberty and then I mm. guess sort of older age, which comes with some of it, you know, hormonal issues, but it's like every decade we have something fun to work around, right? It's like always yeah, right. exciting. It's a roller coaster ride, just yeah. like how just like our hormones. But oh my goodness. Yeah. So is this course then um, would you say it's appropriate for like the average person who just wants to learn more about their health as well as uh, trainers or other coaches who are working with women? Yeah. So the majority of people that do take the course are coaches um, and they take it to sort of, you know, help their female clients. It can be males or females that can take the course, but I do still have, you know, women who just generally want to learn more about, you know, their own training and, you know, training in the gym, training through different periods of their life. Maybe they are pregnant or they're thinking about getting pregnant and they want to know more about that. Um, it can help. It can help women just in general. Or Like I don't talk about, you know, too – I don't say too many terms that are, you it's know – It's not like super technical? Yeah, yeah. I try okay. to keep it quite um, layman's terms. Like I will use some anatomical terms, um, but they are easily, you know, Googled or researched. And I do try to say what they are. Like, for example, in the podcast, I was saying, you know, your thigh or your your upper arm, your humerus sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I do try to keep it, um, you know, quite relevant for all women. Um and, you know, especially for coaches as well. Um, and, you know, some clinicians and students who might um, want to jump on the course as well. Cool. And you were saying too, that you do like different intakes. So it's not like, um, you know, it's not live. It's always li- like the, the calls are always with you really talking and yep. people can sign up for different, like if you can't make the next intake, you can do the next one. Like you're doing it every eight weeks basically, or yeah, pretty okay. much. So uh, our our first one for 2021 is starting um, next week. So we're recording this in January. Yep. Um, but the one after that will be again in uh, mid-March, early April, I would say, will be when the next intake of AWPT is. So, yeah, it's yeah, it's me teaching live, um, just yelling into a computer screen <laughs> for for an hour a week hey you're 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 speaking to the choir here like that's exactly what I do it's <laughs> it's a bit it's a bit weird at first but you know then you get used to it um that's really exciting I'm super pumped to be a part of this next intake because I think I I mean I know I'm gonna learn a lot and I I think it's cool that 
anybody who wants to learn more about women's physiology can take it. I think, I don't know if you've had a lot of experience with men taking the course who do work with women, but I mean, that makes so much sense. And I hope that Mm. they, you know, would feel like that's, that's valuable to them because I've even gone so far as to say, and this might not be, um, super like PC, but in the past, I, I don't, always recommend women have male coaches for that exact reason. And, you know, I've never gone out of my way. Like I go out of my way to find women coaches, female coaches, because at the end of the day, they just are going to understand your body and how it works better than a man. Unless of course, you know, there's more encouragement to take courses like this and to really get it. Because I think that it's, um, you're doing yourself and your clients a disservice if you aren't paying attention to the differences in our physiology. And it goes back to the beginning to, we don't have to treat each other like different creatures. We're not different creatures, but we do have different aspects of our, of our hormones and how our bodies work. And I think we should respect that and work with it, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely, I absolutely love the guys who jump on the course. I've had probably maybe 20 take it in the two intakes that I've had it so far. And, you know, I love how open-minded they are and how they, you know, are willing to learn about this and they want to experience their, uh, sorry, they want to understand their female clients better. And I think it's going to put them in a better place with their female clients as well. And as well as, you know, sort of being able to gain the trust and, and know how to deal if certain things come up with women and know how to, you know, talk to the, talk to them comfortably about these things as well and not sort of shy away from it because it is it's a natural thing like it is you know it's not something that needs to be I guess thrown under the doorstep um and sort of like forgotten about or not talked about um so yeah I absolutely appreciate all the male coaches that come on and they're all so open-minded and understand they love it because they haven't experienced it themselves right like when we talk about when we talk about you know experience and and you know you can have the research you can have all the research and read everything um you know you need that experience and you need to take you know your clients your individual client into consideration so you know that's the best practice that's going to be the best practice for their clients and you know majority of the you know fitness industry is going to be women searching for trainers right and you know mm-hmm. there might not necessarily and you know males male coaches probably dominate the space as well so it's mm-hmm. like there's this disproportionate you know female coach to f- the amount of female clients right so it's like you know some of them are going to have to go to male cl- male coaches and you know male coaches are great and you know if they know this stuff like even better um to be able to work with them because you know there is such a massive opportunity out there it is a, a massive market for um female personal training yep that's a very good point and you know with courses like this you are you are not only increasing the female coaches that are coming out armed with all this knowledge which is great but the men too which makes and you know you bring up a good point too about sometimes just there being sort of a discomfort where it's not even necessarily the male coach being uninformed or, um, not taking it seriously, but it can be, there can be some discomfort or potential awkwardness about speaking about what people consider like intimate lady things when you have a professional relationship. And I think that more education and demystifying these things is going to get rid of that awkwardness because it shouldn't be there. Like you said, obviously we all have to create sort of our guidelines around what's appropriate and how to communicate with clients and have that professional relationship. But when we're talking about how our bodies work, that's not something that should be like whispered and giggled about. It's like, here's the reality, like, let's work with it, you know? So, um, yeah, that's really cool. It's, it's very important. Um, thank you so much for coming on and giving us so much information. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about this stuff. So yeah, we'll have yeah, to do it again. Fun. Maybe, maybe once the, once I go through the course, I make it through the course and learn all kinds of crazy things about women's bodies. Maybe I can have you back on <laughs> and we can talk, we can talk some more about it. Yeah. Um, I'd love to. Yeah. So where can folks um, find out more about the course, follow you, like connect with you, all that good stuff. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this day and age, probably best place is Instagram. So at Kayla Lee Physio, um, my website where all the information for the course is on is kaylaleephysio.com. 
Um, and yeah, that's about it. I'm on Facebook for anyone who's sort of goes through the course, they can join my Facebook group and we sort of have some group discussions in there as well. Cool. All right, Kayla, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Go enjoy the frigid, beautiful, uh, majesty that is, that is Ontario. <laughs> and, uh, I'll see you when the course starts next week. Yeah. See ya. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Thank you so much for joining me as always. Thank you, Kayla, for joining me on the show to teach us and educate us. Highly recommend you check her out. Give her a follow on Instagram and think about taking this course. If you're a man or a woman, anybody can take it. A coach, just a person trying to level up in the gym, somebody trying to work out some kinks in their um, training, you know, you'll learn a lot. And that's what I'm all about here on this podcast. So go check her out. Thank you, of course, to our show sponsor, Bioptimizers. They are the experts in all things gut health. I rely on them quite heavily, as well as, of course, just being healthy and eating properly and having good lifestyle habits. Um, But I use their products religiously, especially these days. I've been really crushing their magnesium product to help me get to sleep, to you know, keep things regular, keep things calm and chill, smooth sailing. Most of us are not getting enough magnesium in our diet. So sometimes you got to supplement. Use the code MUSCLEMAVEN for 10% off. Link is in the show notes. Those guys are awesome. Go check them out. That's it for me today, guys. I hope you have an amazing week. Join me again next Tuesday. I'll see you then. 